Our leader now will share for 20 or 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Rob. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob, and I'm a compulsive overeater and a restrictor. Hi, Rob. It's good to be here. I've not been in this, uh, to this meeting in a while, and it's, I love seeing the room. There's no more yicky carpet. I have asthma, and our carpet can be sometimes a, an issue if it's not, well, I don't need to go into it. Whatever. Um, it's nice to see everyone. I, um, I passed around those pictures, and I don't remember what's in there, and it, uh, I don't always bring them because they're, some of them capture times in the past where are still a little tender around what was going on in life at that time, so I truly don't know what's in there, and I'm grateful for that. And some of them I still feel, God, I look like that. Um, I do. That's the truth. Um, it's weird to me to be able to say that I'm both a compulsive overeater and a restrictor. Like, how does that happen in one body? It just does for me. Um, I came back to the rooms on April 19th, 2017, by a friend that I know who shares another program that I'm in. And I said, I think I want to come back to OA. And he said, oh, come to the Sunday morning meeting. So that's... That's where it began. Um, and I knew what to do, and I knew what I couldn't have. And it, uh, this second time was real. The first time, I, I was still in a daze for lots of other reasons. Um, I wasn't ready for, that, for the gift. For me, and for me, it is a gift. Um, I had lost a lot of weight, and I was skinnier than, than, than I am now to the point I being in the body I'm in now and remembering back to what I kind of remember I look like I realized that I was I wasn't healthy but I couldn't I couldn't see it um, I didn't have the ability to see myself and even looking in the mirror would only be about here um, I believe that my mother was also a compulsive overeater and I say that because I think um, a lot of her disease was was directed my way. You know, as I grew into my teenage years, I got a lot of comments about my body on a daily basis, and that and that messed with my head. Um, there were a lot of other. I come from a very abusive home, and my parents were a product of the way they were raised. You know, they they knew no different, and when their diseases really took off, they acted out accordingly. Um, my mother passed away, and I, my guess is that she was somewhere between 325 and 350. I mean, she was really, she was suffering. She was trying to die, I think, in the end. Um, my father is still alive. He's still using his substance, and he's done some fantastic things. Um, the kind that you'd see on a TV show and go, what the hell? But he, that's, that's the way his story's played out. Um, food for me um, I remember I was I was somewhere between 7 and 8 years old the first time I, I missed a meal my parents didn't my mother noticed but as I look back um, my parents didn't pay attention to a lot of things because they were driven in their own stuff um, early on I, lo- I don't know where I, I don't know how I learned that I don't know why it was a choice or how it was an idea. I don't know. But I know that that started. 
um, it, and it became something that would happen when I wanted to disappear. And the next time I remember this happening was when I got into that, you know, that when puberty hits, it's just not fun for any of us. And, you know, your voice drops and goes and, well, for guys, that happens. And um, I felt uh, I needed to hide. And so that was one of the tools I wouldn't eat at school. I wouldn't, my parents didn't notice. But it was, I, again, I don't know who taught me that. I don't, I don't remember, but it was, a, it was something I did. Um, home life was not easy. There were a lot of things going on in the house. Um, my parents' diseases just really started gaining ground and taking off. And I would, I don't remember binging a lot as a kid. I remember just trying to disappear. And as I got older and um, I did start to eat more and that's when my weight started to rise and then fall and then rise and then fall. Um, my parents would make comments about my body. Now, I didn't know it as a teenager. So I, I did not remember some things that had happened during childhood, but it started to build up. And when my com parents would make comments about my body, um, I would check out. That was what was beginning to happen. And so as I got into adulthood and, and started college, I, I can tell you I don't, I don't know what I look like. I don't. I have no memory of what what I'm in, at all. I was that detached from my own body, um, and I had been taught where I lived. You just no. I actually I don't know who taught this to me. I don't know at all. I would always go to the biggest size because I had heard that I'm fat, that I'm huge, that I'm lots of other ways to phrase that, and so I just believed it. And when I started dating, I remember this comment that um, he said, oh, you're, the belt you wear is simply for decoration, did not even get what he was saying. But I remembered that comment because what was happening is that my clothes were hanging off me. But I did not know that because, I, again, I had no body sense whatsoever. We didn't have a mirror. We had a mirror in the bathroom that you could see your face in. That was it. So I'd never... I'd never had that experience. There was also a scale in the bathroom, but I didn't know to use it. That would come later when it became, I had to do it every day, and I had to do it several times a day, and what I found on that scale was a measure of my worth, which was never enough and always too much, and that would tell me that I was worthy enough or not and whether I could eat or not. Now, and that time eating was not an issue but my weight started to creep up the first time I came into OA was in, two, in 2000 and I was was in a, a back I'm from back east in Boston and there was I was connected to a big recovery um, community and so they were giving me these little tips about how to eat well I used those tips and I um I was 50 pounds less than I am now. And so my, I was nuts. My first time in OA, I was nuts. I was terrified of having a sponsor. But I did ask someone, and, but the fear was about I couldn't bear telling someone what I ate because of the way that I had grown up. 
because I had already had that, uh, I had a huge sense of shame around food, around eating, and around my body. That's a very hard, that's a bad mix. Um, and I know others in the rooms, I've heard about this too. Um, and again, there was no, no awareness of this. And I remember during that time, I'd gone back home and my mother was well into her. Her addictions had really overcome her already. But she still knew how to be cruel. And she made this comment, you look like you have the figure of a woman. And I immediately hit shame. What she was actually seeing, and I didn't discover that until just in the past few weeks, was that I think she was starting to see my hip bones. And that was the comment she had about me. That was how, how she had deeply she drifted into, into her own disease, but also how I could not tell fact from fiction around my body. Um, around that time I got married, I, well, I met the guy, and I, it's a, actually a funny story. It was I was um, working with this organization, and they were in the Pride Parade in Boston, and he wanted to, he, it was on Match.com, can you believe it? Um, and he wanted to chat when I was logged in. I was annoyed. Like, go away. We can meet tomorrow. So because I was able to feel good about the response I would get about my body, not that I could see it. I couldn't. But it got a response. And so I wore these really booty pants, really. <laughs> and, you know, my job, <laughs> I want to say this, my job was to hand out condoms. So, of course, great. <laughs> lots of attention. Um, and I met my husband, the soon-to-be husband, after the parade, and I walked into this, tra- uh, not Trader Joe's, um, uh, Starbucks, filled with gay men. I opened the door, and every head just, whoosh. my God, that was a great feeling. Still had no idea what this was. So we got married, and I started not going to as many meetings, and life got big, you know. Um, thank you. Um uh, I had a, a job that I worked too hard at um, and got, was very criticized. And, oh, my God, that smells like home cooking. That's another phrase from back east. It smelled like home cooking. I'm home. I worked for a boss that was just, I don't know that she was miserable. I do know that she just, she berated me for a lot. And so this setup happened. And I, you know, would go down to the bakery and fixed that feeling a lot. And then went from that job to another and fixed that feeling a lot. And again, didn't really have a sense of what I was giving away or what I was letting go of. And, you know, the the weight came on slowly, though. It didn't come on all at once. So, you know, when it creeps, you don't notice it as much because you're kind of used to it. And... Eventually, we, we moved out here. Um, he, my husband, got laid off, and three days later, a company out here called him up, flew him out, wined and dined him. And when it came, and I knew, I knew it was going to happen. And he said, when, you know, do you, would you want to move to California with me? And I said, when? It was a cold winter. I'd had enough. I was done. Get me out of here. My bones are cold. And so here we go. And coming out here... Coming out to California was a, has been a real gift in ways that I would have I see now, but during the time, like ugh, another effing growth opportunity. Um, 
I couldn't find my, my stride. You know, I worked at a couple of different jobs and they just, they didn't fit because I, I knew at this point I chose the same kind of person to work for. The attributes were different. Gray hair, brown hair, didn't matter. Um, and I knew it. I'd had enough recovery in my, other, in my other room to know I've done this before. I know this record. I've heard this before. And I really beefed up my work on that area and I started to see things. I eventually left a job that um, this woman came after me. And she, I was clearly in my, my food disease, but she, she was starting to fire people illegally in this institution. And one of them, there was a lot of stuff was going on and she came after me and I got an attorney. I was like, oh no, uh-uh. Because I knew how to take care of myself in one of these ways. I didn't work again for about a year, almost a year and three quarters. And I had to do some heavy lifting work. And let me tell you, that was not fun. I still have a little zing around it because it was hard. And my self-worth was in the tank. It was in the toilet. And that's when the food really took off. And so I left that job in February of 2017 and I joined in April. And life has not been the same. And I was terrified in the beginning. I had the withdrawals from sugar. Sugar I cannot have. I might as well snort it. It's faster. But I actually enjoy eating it because, you know, you get the... Um, and got a sponsor, which I didn't do before. I got one, but it was only in name. And I was willing. And... I started changing, the, my life started changing, and I started doing the deep work of what's wrong, because I couldn't, I couldn't write a resume. I went on these interviews on jobs that I, I, I should have gotten, but I did not believe I was capable, or why would they hire me? I took a lot of work, and that was painful. Um, and I lost some weight. And you know, that does feel good. Like, oh wow, this shirt fits again. Or, wow, these pants fit again. But, um, and, I, and I did accept a job on January, not January, uh, September 20th of 2018. And it was one of those ones like we, I decided, I, I think I want to go in this direction. I work in healthcare and have for a long time. And, and it, was an, it was a director job. And we had done enough work through, that was like doing a fifth step. Oh my God. And we'd be, you know, my, my sponsor in another room lives in New York City and I love this man. I've known him for 20 years and he asked me questions about this and I would rather have put rusty nails up my arms than answer these questions, but I did because, because I had to. I was willing to do the work. Who would have think that doing a resume would be that intense, but it was because it, it was an area that it forced me to look at this stuff. And I, I got the job, and I knew in the first interview what was going to happen. And um, I'm still in that same job. Over the course of this time, I, oh, way my weight started to wiggle a little again. Um, and I was working with a sponsor and was doing a four-step. And as part of this four-step, I needed to write a letter to one of my abusers. And read this to my other sponsor and... It was very powerful. It cleared stuff out. And I read it to my OA sponsor. He didn't have any experience. That belongs to me. 
I should not have I should not have done what I was about to tell you about to tell you and I read it as part of my fourth step and he he said, Rob, I don't have any experience in this. You just need to answer the questions. And I was crying at the you know, reading this and I stopped and I had enough recovery to know to just pull it all back in and we ended. And three <clears throat> days later uh, I I let him go. I don't like use the word firing. That sounds so, you know, head chopped off. But, um, and I did that kindly in peace, in, in peace and in love, because I understood he didn't have the experience. He couldn't. He couldn't relate. That week, I lost six pounds, <clears throat> and I thought, "What's going on?" And so that sort of stopped, and then you know I sort of didn't know what to do, didn't know who to ask, and I got afraid. I don't want to go back. I cannot go back. So I found some other ways to get the help. And what proceeded to happen, and why I, and I qualify as a restrictor, is that you can both live inside this body, which I don't understand, but it does. And it becomes, when it, the sexual abuse for me, it activates the anorexia. And I have been diagnosed. I have binge eating disorder, and I have anorexia. Like, you know, gold stars, you know. Um, and I, and for honesty, I track, I use my phone to track, I use an app because it forces me to be honest but not in the way you would think because I have to make sure that I eat enough because I won't. And I'm also getting the help I need around that area because I want freedom and I will not have freedom until I work through this. That is how willing I am to come to whatever room I have to go to and to be, to be free. Now, um, this week, you know, I'm having a little trouble making sure I get enough. But I'm open about it. And that's the thing that is so powerful. Because in these, I don't have to keep this a secret. Because the secret will kill me. I will kill myself, whether over or under, I will do it. It's not a question. I have plenty of evidence. I'm 47. I got plenty of evidence um, of what I will do. But the gift is the clarity of mind I have. My, my, I had a conversation today with my boss. He's a good man. Naive, but a good man. He's a really good man, good heart. And he cannot say no. And his not saying no over years makes my job hard with someone that I have to say no to and they tell, you know, they say that I'm, I'm too hard on them and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I said no. And I had to have a conversation with him today about I'm, I'm, I'm taxed. And, and I explained to him how and why he, we talked about how we could help. I said, I just need your help in this area because I need two other of me and there's only one. I'm stretched. I had this conversation with him. And I also then had a conversation about our t- on the team today, and I said, what does the word trust mean to you? And it was incredible that every single person had a vastly different explanation of what that word meant. And I read the, di- the dictionary um, definition. And we started talking about how we trust each other on the team and how we don't. Not naming names, but just saying, what would it take for you to trust? What do you need? I could not have done that with a clear head, with a clear mind, and being able to be just connected intuitively. This was all intuitive. I'm grateful for that. 
because when I'm in the rooms and I'm working them with my programs and I am working a spiritual program, I'm working, not doing, working, because I have to work it. Because if I don't connect, I feel it. And I can feel when I don't, food doesn't whisper to me right now. It doesn't whisper at all. But I'll have a food thought. But I, I, I can pause like, whoa, where'd that come from? And that's why I keep this little book with me all the time. Because it, it, maybe it's a couple of sentences. Maybe I need to just really rip somebody a new one and be done with it. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Because I get to show up for my own damn life. Which I did not, I was not able to do before. Um, you know, I have some, some work ahead of me. I'm willing to go to whatever lengths. I go to five to six meetings a week. Um, I have a specialist that I go to on Monday mornings at 8 o'clock that I'm fully awake for. And in the food, that would have sucked. And now it's like, no, I show up because I know what I, know what I will do if I don't. So thank you all.